<laughs> Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Death by Pod. It's our little show where all we talk about is the horror flicks. Uh, my name is Matt Hudson, aka the one who haunts your dreams, and joining me is London's premier scream queen herself. It's Elizabeth, aka Bloggy Balboa. How you doing, mate? Hello, I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to pod time, bitch. <laughs> Again, on point. <laughs> Stuff pod time. What have you had for dinner time? It's that time of the show. It's that time of the show. Okay, so I was torn between some spag bowl or like a chicken chicken wrap. Okay, I hope I you went, went for the second for, one. I went for the chicken wrap, but I think I'm going to go back for some spag bowl after this podcast because I'm still nice. hungry. Uh, so if you were a ch- if you were if you hear a chair scraping and her chomping, she didn't last till the end of the show. I'm not yeah. a fan of spag bowl. Are you not? It's proper bland, isn't it? No. Yeah. So who's cooking your spag bowl? Well, I don't really eat it because I don't, <laughs> I don't really like it. But it's always a bit mm. vanilla. No, no, spag bowl is an absolute winner if it's done right. Right. Okay. Well, you have to Lots send me the recipe for how you do it. It just involves cheese, really. Parmesan? That's my secret ingredient. No, like I just have like, you know, them bags of like grated cheddar and I was like, boosh, boosh, boosh. And then I put it in the microwave and then I watch it melt. What's the high life of bloggy Balboa, that is. Or I'm going to die young. <laughs> yeah, but at least you got to watch the cheese go round in the microwave as it melts and bubbles away. Yes, good fun. What a life, what a life. And that side, how you doing? You've been all right, good weekend? My weekend has been good. I'm curious about what you ate though. What did you Ooh. eat? I had, here we go, I had a cod in a parsley sauce with um, roast potatoes I made with aromat on top of it and it was, and, and some <laughs> baked beans. It was bloody good as well. You have such a varied diet compared to mine. Like Because every, every single time I do this pod, I don't have a lot of time, so I'm like freezer chicken. So every week you're like, what did you eat? Chicken. Chicken. Yeah. Chicken Chicken's from good. Iceland. <laughs> Protein, isn't it? Even if it is from Iceland. I put lettuce with it. There you go, so fine. And for those new to the show, it's kind of unspoken now. Every week we speak to each other off air. However, we must we don't tell each other what we had for our dinner until we go on air. It's like a tradition now. So if we're new to the show, get used to it because it's just, just the way it goes. That's how it. This is how it works. Yeah, we don't actually talk to each other about anything outside of outside of the show. But then as soon as we come on, it's like, oh dinner. Yeah, we pretend to like each other. <laughs> I like Bloggy. She says she's a good buddy. I like her. Um, yeah, but you're right. Enough of me sucking up to Bloggy, mate. Horror show. We speak about horror films. Which one are we speaking about this week? We're doing Singing in the Rain. Yes. No, no, we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing Nightmare on Elm Street Three. Dream Warriors. What's the What's the facts about this then? What's the facts? Well, uh, we should probably do a spoiler warning before we yeah, go any further. Yes, famous spoiler warning, which we nearly forget yeah. every week. So, uh, this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and you don't want the ending ruined, then please don't listen to this pod. Um, go away, watch a film, and then come and listen to the pod. Couldn't have said it better myself, but yeah, make sure you come back and listen, because it's going to be really swell. I think I could have said that in less words, actually. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's detailed, isn't it? It's it's covering all the bases. No one can say that we didn't warn him now. All right, well, uh, spoiler alert about the director. It's Chuck Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck him where? (laughs) Oh, it was released on February 27th, 1987. So we're... 
we're very close to what oh my god so the date of recording yeah we we've recorded it on today is the 26th so we're literally one day out from being 33 years old 33 years old nightmare on 33 is nearly 33 and we're more than three hours away and yeah so in from recording this in about uh four and a half hours yeah, happy birthday, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Nice one, Chuck. Yeah. Happy birthday. Should we make a wish or something? Um, yeah, but you can't say what it is because it won't come true. All right, I've made my wish. I literally have to make one as well. So on with the show. On with the show. Okay, so Nightmare on Elm Street 3. <laughs> Who's it got in it? I'll tell you. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. It's got Heather Langenkamp as Nancy Thompson, Patricia Arquette as Kristen Parker, um... Ken Sagos as Roland Kincaid, Rodney Eastman as Joey Crusell. I don't know if I said that. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's the same name. Who cares? <laughs> Jennifer Rubin <laughs> as Taryn White, Penelope Sudrow as Jennifer Caulfield. Fuck, there's a lot of people in this film. Ira Hyden as Will Stanton, Larry Fishburne. Is that Lawrence Fishburne or is yeah, that? Right, it is. It is. Why is he calling himself? What? Go ahead. I'm Larry. Yes, but like in the eighties and early nineties, he just called. He's just known as Larry. And then when he Larry. filled out, he was Lawrence. Okay, so it's Lawrence Fishburne as Matt yeah. Daniels, Craig Watson as Doctor Neil Gordon, and Robert England, of course, is playing Freddy Krueger. Of course, it's nice to put the surnames in for the. Uh, Dream Warriors, because I don't think any of them get mentioned apart from Kincaid. I don't think he yeah. actually get his first name doesn't get mentioned. I don't think. But um, oh, Chris, Kristen Parker. They told you we got Kristen Parker in the yes. film. <laughs> That's true. As for the other ones, um, yeah, I had to um, annotate who they were so I remember who they were. Um, but what's it about? More importantly, because this is the bit I always forget, but I'm not going to forget this time. It's Bloggy Balboa's famous synopsis. <laughs> All right, so it is about, uh, it's following on from all the other films about Freddy Krueger, <laughs> where he haunts people in their dreams. Uh, we've got a new kid on the block, Kristen Parker. She gets committed to a psych ward because she apparently has a suicide attempt. Uh, obviously, she doesn't. Along with other teens who seem to be suffering from what they think is mass hysteria and refuse to sleep. But luckily... Nancy is now a grad student psychologist and knows all about night terrors and happens to work at this hospital, which is great. And it turns out that all the kids in the ward, another massive coincidence, are the last of the Elm Street children. And they've got to work together to kill Freddy. And that's the film. Brilliant. 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 Round of applause, listeners. Yep. I can hear the world erupting. Nice one, Blocky. That was succinct. I enjoyed it. Well, again, what we do on the show, as you know, or you don't know, we now we talk about what we did like, what we didn't like. Uh, Blocky usually throws some interesting facts out of nowhere in there. Uh, <laughs> because we just have a chat, basically. It's just like, this is as if we were sitting across a pub table, having a pint and having a chat about the film. So it's very loose. Uh, but what we always start with is the million-dollar question, whether we liked it or not. We don't want to leave you hanging. We're not one of those shows that... We are one of those shows who tell you what, who tell you all about the minutiae of the film and then get, tell you whether we like it. We'll tell you first and then we can build it. So, Bloggy, Dream Warriors, did you like this film? Yes. I love this film. <laughs> go on. So, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, go along with that. I enjoy this film an awful lot as well. Of course, it's not about its flaws, but that's part of the fun. So, let's just jump into it. Bloggy, what is it about Dream Warriors which absolutely floats your boat? Um, I think it's uh, I think it's just where it it starts to take it take a turn. I guess that it really blew the franchise apart. 
um, in a good way, I think. Uh, I don't think a lot of other people agree with that necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love it. It's just, it's fun. It, it it completely embodies what Wes Craven sort of came to be with Scream and everything, where he's a bit, he's a bit funny, but he's a bit serious. But then it's also still quite gross. So <laughs> that's why I like it. Why do you like it? Same reason. Thanks for listening, guys. No, same, <laughs> pretty much the same reason. No, you're spot on. This was the turn, wasn't it? It's when Freddy started dropping like the puns and the one-liners but in this film it wasn't too much it was it fit with the tone it's as for the other films other than a new nightmare i can't i suppose you can't really blame dream warriors for the other films as being like violently full of one-liners and making freddy like a complete ass um mm. but yeah this was this was the start of it but it worked like some of his most famous lines and moments are in this film uh, and it's the most um it's set in the 80s well it's actually set in 1990 but it's 1987, but this it feels proper 80s from the soundtrack to the way people talk to the actor, the way they look. I don't know, everything just feels like, like the 80s encapsulated. And um, on old Freddy, yeah, this was when Freddy took a turn from being the boogeyman to being like a, dare I say, like a pop culture icon. Can I say this? Like this he was iconic from the first film, but now when he starts dropping these one-liners or starts dropping his catchphrases... He becomes something else. Uh, Wes yeah. Craven's original um, draft for this film was an awful lot darker, like a lot darker, just in terms of like the deaths, the language was used, like there's dropping Freddy Krueger was dropping the C bomb left, right, and centre. Um, so it was a lot different. So when they came in, and Frank Darabont, who co-wrote uh, this, also did the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile and other stuff. He actually co-wrote this, so he came in had a little look and thought, oh, let's change a few things up. Uh, but I will tell you something now. In Wes Craven's darker edit, the massive phallic snake was still in there. Oh, really? Yep. That's a Wes Craven idea. I I read that um, this was actually going to be, a, uh, it was basically going to be New Nightmare and he changed it. Oh, really? So that it was going to be that um, Freddy starts terrorising the actors. Mm-hmm. And they're in real, real world, quote unquote. Yeah, like in the real world. And then... Um, uh, like started, yeah, like terrorizing the actors and the crew, and then the, they rejected the the studio rejected it. So then he just went, all right, well I'll do that to completely change the change the franchise and pave the way for Scream in the nineties. Fuck yeah. you. And then the nightmare <laughs> later on anyway. We just did it. They called him back to do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he was. Um, I've got, tell me if I've got this right or wrong, but I'm sure that Freddy Krueger um, was in an episode of WWF where he was like in a wrestling match. <laughs> um, I don't know it why sounds I like some sort of gimmick you'd get, even like back then in WWE. I don't know. Does anybody out there know that? Because I'd like to say yes, that Robert Ingram, sorry, sorry, Freddy Krueger. I'd like to see him against like The Undertaker or something, but I think that might be pre-Undertaker times. Because I know that they obviously they did loads of raps and there was um, you know like uh, Fresh Prince and Jazzy Def did Nightmare on My Street and <laughs> he became quite a like you said like a pop culture icon but I'm sure that I read somewhere that he 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 was in like a guest you know like um, they used to do that celebrity wrestling thing yeah yeah ITV sure yeah I'm sure he was in something like that but I could be wrong. Let me know. <laughs> we will we'll research this. So if we don't, guys listening, was Freddy Krueger ever a professional wrestler? But I think, like you say, this film start, paved the way to start that. Because if Wes Craven had got his darker film where Freddy's mutilating people even worse and dropping those uh, rude words, 
I'm not sure he becomes as much of a like a beloved icon as well. I hate using that word icon, but person in culture because you know then he is just a child killer, rapist, and he also says rude words and he hasn't got any humour to him. Whereas obviously he became like the party fiend, which kind of which worked. But in this film, uh, he strad- straddles the line somewhat. He's still menacing enough for me. But yeah, I, I like the I like the way that they wove in a little bit more fun. And um, without it, yeah, I don't know where the franchise would have gone without this film either. Because for me, it's on a par with the first film. I think. Mm, yeah, I don't. I don't really remember the second film too well. But from what I can make out, it the second film doesn't really relate to the first one or or this one. I kind of ignored it in this film, yeah. Yeah. So is this the first time that everyone's seen Nancy since the first? Yeah. The first Again, film? that's another yeah. reason why 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 it zings because. Back in those days, to bring an actor back, a leading actor back to play the same role in a, in a sequel film was didn't wasn't a done thing. It never really happened, so mm. it was a big deal. But I can't remember if they referenced her in um, the second one. I don't think they did. But yeah, so Heather Langenkamp came back for this film, and it's the first time she's back in the franchise. And the last was it the last? No, Heather. She yeah. came back for New Nightmare. Oh, she came back for New Nightmare, obviously, but as herself. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Nancy. Yeah. Nancy got Nancy got done in this film. Yeah, Nancy, Nancy got proper brucked, didn't she? Yes. Loads of them did, they didn't they? Like the the death toll in this film was uh, this film. <laughs> this film. Toll, this film. The death toll was madness. It, they all just they were dropping like flies by the end of it, weren't they? Well, oh uh, yeah, I've got it in big asterisks here, in big under underlined letters for a gang that called themselves the Dream Warriors. They were shit at being warriors. They, you know yeah. what I mean? I reckon I could have put up a better fight with Freddy with just with just me old fists here than the Dream Warriors <laughs> did. I like, uh, but I like, I love the idea of the Dream Warriors, and I, I like the um, the ensemble cast. I think there's for the little they had to do. I, I like the characters, uh, and it could have been like embarrassingly bad, given some of their um, alter egos. But it was fun, and that's what I also like about this film is that like morbid fun to it. Yeah. It also reminds me there was a TV program, like a cartoon, where they could all um, they all used to have like a dream club, and they'd all fall asleep and then hang out with each other while they were asleep. Probably better than the real world. It, it sounds awesome, but yeah, I remember that I used to watch that when I was a kid, and then obviously I saw Dream Warriors, and I was like, oh. <laughs> it's the grown-up version. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. when did you first see this, actually? Um, gosh, I was definitely I was definitely in like year nine. I don't know how old. I only know how old I am in terms of years of school. 14, I think you're roughly about 13, 14 time, yeah, mate. 14, 15, yeah. Mate. So that's about right. Yeah, I, I remember this film. I was younger than that. I was about eight. And it was on the telly when I was flicking over. Probably shouldn't have been. And um, it was it was at the Vane puppet scene as, he's, as they're watching him, um, oh. as the kids are watching him through the window. And I was like eight and I was like, yep, yeah, fuck this. Turn it right off. And that that um, image is just like scorched in my brain. So every time I see it, it just reminds me of being this kid and just being like, <gasps> like and just turning it off completely. So that's one of the things that stands out for me. Because for you, it was <laughs> Jeepers Creepers, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for me, it was this, I, I, amongst other films. But this was one of them. But um, yeah, there was there was actually an awful. There were some things in this film which blow, but uh, for the most part, you know, for what it is. It's a lot of fun. So, what are some of the things which you know, from the scenes or the moments or the action, uh, the parts that you really dug? Um, yeah, I actually did. I really, really liked the the tendon scene. Um, mm. I thought that was really good, and I think that was the 
it, it showed that they, they knew their limitations with special effects and they knew what would what would look good and what wouldn't like you know you just see the blood splattering up on his face but you don't actually see him you know it, it shows you enough but doesn't show you enough at the same time yeah. i think um yeah the, the tendon scene did make me feel a little bit uncomfortable and the bit with the the hanging kids oh at the beginning like, yeah i really didn't like that I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten about that. Um, yeah, because I really, I quite, I quite enjoyed the opening scene. And a little trivia fact that I found out was this was a, this. I think it's the only film that doesn't open with an actual nightmare, um, like the actual right opening of it, because she then falls asleep later on. Because you see yeah. Kristen literally like drink eating coffee solids, coffee granules, and necking back diet coke. Probably want the full fat stuff. Um, and then she falls asleep, mm. and she's making a papier mâché house of Elm Street there, one four two eight Elm Street. Which immediately after the like the car crash that was the second film, straight away you see a papier a papier mache jobby or a um, lollipop stick house from the f- first film, so it takes you back. So immediately you're brought back into that world, which I quite liked. But yeah, when she follows that little girl in the ye- in the yellow dress, she needs to blow her nose. By the way, she sounded pretty congested. She follows her down, and the kid and the kid's like, "This is this is where he brings us." And then she uh, picks the kid up, and she runs away, and you can tell that that kid's clearly a doll. By the way, she just like it moves like really rigidly. Yeah, then she goes and all these kids are just hanging, all like decomposing. Yeah, it's rank. I really, really didn't like it because she like she she looks one way and there's someone hanging, and you think, oh, and then she looks another way, and then she's got to go through like a whole room full of them. Yeah. And then she goes it's, into the bathroom yeah. and the tap turns into a claw. Yeah, that reminded me of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really, really badly. Like there's and there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of bits in this that um I can see that Silent Hill probably got a lot of his inspo mm-hmm. from this particular film. Like there's a bit where they're they're in the the safe place dream world all together, and then the walls start to crumble and yeah. it all starts to turn nightmarish, and then they've got to go down into the basement, and it's all really industrial looking. And yeah, there's loads of things about this that smack a Silent Hill. I hadn't actually thought about that, but uh, like the the aesthetic of it, I always struggle to yeah. say that word. Does feel like Silent Hill, especially yeah, when it goes like to Silent Hill nightmare territory. Um, and she also makes a re- Christian makes a really funny noise after she collapses from her slit wrists in this film. Uh, for, go back and listen to it, guys. Listen to the noise she makes when she collapses. It's really comical. This was Patricia Arquette's debut film debut. Um, so and obviously she then went on to win an Oscar a couple of years ago for Boyhood. So a bit. This is where it all started, and um, I, I think I fell in love with Patricia Arquette in this film. Man, yeah. Apparently, Robert England said on on set, all the sort of members of the crew and some of the cast, which is odd, were coming up to Robert England and asking him for advice on whether they should ask her out or not. So all I got from that was Robert <laughs> England's like a massive pimp. Hey, ladies, man. Exactly, claws for fingers. Ladies love it. So yeah, apparently <laughs> Patricia Arquette was hot stuff on the set, and um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I quite fancied her during this. See, oddly enough, I think that Robert England looks a lot like Ryan Stiles, and I used to have a bit of a thing for Ryan Stiles. <laughs> I never heard anyone say they have a crush on Robert England, but first time for everything. But he's a he's a, he's not a bad looking chap. Without his makeup on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, burn. Yeah, ooh. Yeah, I like. What about the? Uh, we mentioned the the phallic phallic snake scene. What did you think about that? Because originally the snake was pink. And obviously they had to change it to be green for obvious reasons. But what did you think of scenes like that, which were just like, I know it's a dream sequence, so they can get away with anything. 
What did you think of that particular one? Um, I mean, I think it, I, I I picked up on the phallicness of it, but I think that Freddie's always had a kind of an overt sexuality about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot a lot of the parents have got like really liberal views, especially Great about point. you know the nurse. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> The nurse like keeps talking about how they're all wrapped up in sin and mm-hmm. and in your dreams you're supposed to be able to live out your fantasies and I think Freddie plays on that a lot. Um, you know, even just in the first film where he's she's in the bath and his hand comes up between her legs, yeah. it's um, it's all very uh, psychosexual and the him him trying to eat her with his sort of penis neck is it didn't surprise me to be honest with you. I just saw it and I was like, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then she has to pull in the final girl to save her because she's not she's not become she's not become the final girl mm-hmm. yet as much as a final girl can be in Not on Elm Street. No, yeah. Um but yeah, she she's kind of masculinized, I guess Nancy's already put on Freddie's glove and done all that metaphorical Carol Clover shit. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I didn't. I it didn't shock me. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, especially when you see the second film, which is widely known to be like the most homoerotic movie ever made. So it's, it's been, yeah. So it's and and again it go and it goes through the other films, especially when Freddie got a bit more cheeky. Yeah. Freddie has always had some kind of yeah, like you say, he's always had something like dirtily, like ugh, sex. No, I don't. Sexual, not sexy. About him, so yeah, the scene. I wasn't a massive oh, fan of the scene. I like a bit of Freddy. Yeah, I thought the scene. The scene was alright. I just thought I'd wonder what you thought because that's this is. There's a few scenes in this film which you stand out in the franchise as a whole, and that's one of them. It's like the big Freddy snake. Um, and then later on in the film, the nurse says, you know, it's over sexuality and it's grief that's causing these dreams. It's nothing to do with this boogeyman. And King Kane's like, oh great, it's my dick killing me. Funny line, but again, it's you know they're 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 harking back to phallus to sexual stuff it's all throughout this and again yeah robert england looks like a walking knob in this so yeah. there's a lot of that but i just wondered what you thought about that what did you think about the effects in general actually because you had that like the stop motion plasticine freddy the, that like odd like throwback skeleton scene and so what do you think of the effect oh, the, the, the skeletons the skeleton was giving me peak clash of the titans <laughs> yeah that that did look awful. Yeah. They were pushing that one a bit. Yeah. Um. Oh, you know, I think when you watch films like this, like for me, I I go on about how much I hate CGI, mm. and I wish that directors now would use more of this SFX stuff because you can do so much more with it. Um. But I think that for when it was made, and they they were pretty creative with it. Um. You know, the, the puppet that bit the transformation of it turning into Freddy perhaps looked a bit shit, but um, I, d- I don't go into these movies and exp- and think even the layover where he's, um, where he cuts the, the kids tendons, like, sorry, trigger warning for you there, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and his, his big face is in the sky. It, it looks bad, but it doesn't look shark attack three bad. And it doesn't look, you know, there are movies that have been released recently and I'm like, Jesus, yeah. you know, that's terrible. I think, but I think there's that kind of like that retro makeup special effects. It for me, it makes it just feel a bit creepy. It's kind of as I much like as possible it. all done like in within the camera as well, which is what works. And yeah, yeah, I, and it's just something about I love old, new films as well. But there is something about these older films where you can see that 
they are doing the best they can with what they got. And sometimes it can look a bit cack, CR Evil Dead episode. Uh, and then, but sometimes it can look, you know, quite good. Like some some of the effects in this film are actually pretty good. And then, like the skeleton was just WTF. But I'm going to mention that guy later on. But yeah, I just wondered what you thought about it because then again, like like the hand, the um, the tap that turned into the claw and all that. I mean, that was all done like within camera as well, which looked a bit. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I, I just wondered what you thought about it. But um, got to mention obviously the uh, the prime time scene. Welcome to prime time, bitch. That's like one yeah, of the most yeah. I mentioned about iconic Freddy. I think Robert England actually imp- improv that on set that line because there's a different line and that that's now like his one of his catchphrases and that's what that kind of like turn which made him the character that he is. But it's only like a really short scene. I never I never uh, remembered how short it was because you've got um mm. is it Johnny Carson I think and um, Zaza Gabor and then he turns into Freddy Krueger which I found actually quite funny. And he just screams, yeah, who yeah. gives a fuck what you think? And it kills her. <laughs> and then yeah, Jennifer, who wants to be an actress, she wants to be on TV. She Well, she was in TV. She was. And then they did they, he's like, where, where are all the kids? They were already freaked out about all the suicides. And he's like, yeah, they're in the TV room. <laughs> Still like, her charred brains are just splattered on the wall. Like, they're all just looking at it like, yeah, one of our friends got killed here. <laughs> can, can you move out of the way so we can change the channel? It's the way the way Larry Fishburne's character just looks in, and she's just like hanging like head first from the <laughs> from the TV. Yeah, and, and he's, he's thinking like, like oh, fuck. It's like, not I'm going to get fired. Yeah, God, <laughs> it's going it's to take all night to clean this up. <laughs> I like the fact that uh, well, uh, my boyfriend pointed out that he gets like sliced by Kristen with a scalpel, and then in the next scene, he's just got like a tiny little glass. <laughs> we found that quite funny. He's just got a little band aid. Little things which I never noticed. So I'd have to watch a film with the, the beard to be feared, and because I, I I never noticed that. It's it. Well, I think it's just because he spent too much time around me, and I'm like, oh look at look at look at our shoes. Dissecting. So he's so basically he's gone from being a casual film guy to now dissecting every little thing. Oh yeah, he's he's turning into a regular Cisco and Ebert. This guy. <laughs> what a lad! I like this guy already. Um, yeah, prime time bitch. Loved it. Uh, what other scenes do you like? Or moments. Um, I liked the bit where John Saxon comes floating in like fucking Tinkerbell. That bit killed At me. the end, yeah. yeah. And the music's like proper like <laughs> the words so okay, yeah, the skeleton bit's bad, but John Saxon coming just coming into the dream like <laughs> That's Nancy's dad, God. Yeah, because the thing is that scene itself, the way it plays out, I think is like is like like really like viciously cruel. But that bit, yeah, mm. is like why did he have to float in like that? When you it wish is. upon a star. It is silly. It is really silly. It's like, um, it always reminds me of a Kenny Everett sketch where he's like, I'm Tinsel Man. <laughs> and he's just throwing Tinsel everywhere. And then just, I just, <laughs> just reminded me of that. Can't watch the scene the same now. They all seem really happy about his death as well. She's like, you've crossed over. Oh, no, I love you too. And it's like cuddling him and smiling. And everyone's like, oh, look, she's just reconciling with her dead dad. We never knew. Yeah, who we never knew. Uh, it turns out it wasn't him anyway. Turns out it's really playing a trick, wasn't he? I, I could. I thought that end bit that happened very quickly, didn't it? It's just like boom, she's dead, and then it's like I'm going to dream you into a lovely dream, and then she's then they're at the funeral, and I'm like, whoa, pacing. That must have like at the time, if you're really into this franchise mm-hmm. and you watch it, and the 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 matriarch of the series just beefs it. 
awful, isn't it? I thought that actually. I'm, I'm, I'm gutted. <laughs> so was she. Thirty-three years later on, I'm gutted. Thirty-three years old t- tomorrow, yeah, she was too. I thought that as well. Oddly enough, that because yeah, 1987 when you're watching this, you're like, oh, wicked. Heather Langenkamp's coming back. She's the final girl. She's going to be okay. See Jamie Lee Curtis back 50 years later in Halloween, and I know she died in one of them, but um, less said about that, the better. But I can imagine mm. you probably thought, oh, she's going to be safe. And yeah, John Saxon floats in like a regular old fairy, and <laughs> they have this really nice moment where the music's playing and everyone is like, oh, because they actually cut that scene really well. That's what I noticed. You see John Saxon's character, Nancy's dad, I forget the guy's name now in, 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 in film, sorry guys. But you see him die, he gets impaled in the um, scrapyard, so we know he's dead. And him then floating in makes sense. You're like, oh, he's dead. He's come. He has crossed over. So you don't think this might be a trick. I didn't anyway. Yeah, it was cut no, I so well. Either. And then they have the moment, and then yeah, they have a cuddle, and then suddenly, like literally, like scraping of claws, and and she's like, <gasps> and that's it. It's like, wow. So yeah, back in 1987, that must have been like a proper, like, like excuse the pun, but a killer thing to see. Yeah, yeah, massively. But I suppose it's, it's her passing because isn't the fourth one, doesn't that have all the same kids in it? Uh, Kind of, yeah. Some of them aren't played by the same actors, like Christian Parker is back in it, but she's not played by Patricia Arquette. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't I didn't remember it a bit, but I remember that Kincaid's in it. Yes. It? Yeah, none of them yeah. fare very well, but yeah. And that, oh God, that kid that's like, I am a wizard master, and he just looks like the Count. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Egon he's Spender, like, he's like a weird kid. On. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that bit was. I like the fact that he, um, all the way through this film, Freddie destroys them with their own negativity mm-hmm. massively. Like you know, in that that whole bit where he's like back in the saddle again. You know, yeah, it's kind of like because I think he he's he's in a wheelchair because he tries to kill himself, isn't he? And he yes, doesn't manage doesn't, it yeah. and fucks his legs. Yeah, yeah. So um, Freddie taunts him for it as Freddie does. Yeah. And I, and I think that he he feeds on their, he destroys them with their negativity and he feeds on this kind of like parent-child conflict that they all seem to have. Mm-hmm. And none of them seem to come from good backgrounds. No. And I think it's that um, all of all of their issues are being dismissed by the parents. It's like, oh, yeah, they're a tearaway, though. They're a troubled kid. She's on drugs. Um, you know, and it's um, it's quite clever, really, when you think about it, especially thinking about when it was released and what was going on just at the time and mm. um yeah i think it, i think it probably spoke to a lot of like adolescents back then adolescents the I youth. Still an adolescent that would be wicked wouldn't it you, you, know, <laughs> you, you can tell you're getting on in years now when you start calling the young ones adolescents adolescents yes those, those damn youth but what's it what's the <laughs> name um Gen- uh, Pen- penelope sudro played jennifer who was the drug addict kid as I've <laughs> labelled her. Drug addict. She, yeah. Apparently, she had kids coming up to her, or teens, saying that her character made people kick the habit. So she was very proud of that. I mean, in in, in the film, her character, yeah, she's uh, coming off drugs and she's tempted during it by like some creepy guy who works there. And of course, yeah. the scene with Freddie. But apparently that inspired certain kids to kick the habit, which if true, and why should it not be, is great. And I don't know what, on Earth, um, Ira, Ira Hyden, which is a name I haven't heard of, Ira, who played, yeah, Will Stanton, who is, yeah, the, the uh, Will, who's in a wheelchair, who then, in his dreams, he can walk, he's the wizard master, you know, because he can do all that cool stuff. 
you know, whether he inspired people to play Dungeons and Dragons a bit more, whatever it was they play. Because in real life, he was a master at that. So that's why part of the reason why he got the role. But yeah, that and scene then... was, yeah, he was a, he was an absolute master at that game. So they kind of cast him as well as his talent, but also because he knew what he was on about. Did you did you read about how Kincaid got his part? No. They uh, <laughs> he'd have to like travel up to the the studio, and it was apparently pissing it down. He was soaked, and they made him wait for two hours because they were running really really behind schedule. Mm-hmm. And when he got in there, they were like, "Yeah, just do whatever you want, mate." Clearly not interested. And apparently, he just turned around and went, "Fuck you!" <laughs> I gave him the, the character. Yeah. <laughs> He was so, so pissed off about it, so he just swore at them all, and then they were like, oh, you're hired. <laughs> so basically him on film is just him still coming down from the fact that he had to wait two hours. He's such an angry man in the film. It's, it is, yeah, because there's that whole bit where she's like, we're going to sedate him. He's like, fuck you, fuck yeah, you. The whole time, yeah. And every time somebody <laughs> says anything, he's just like ultra negative. He's like, fuck this the whole time. <laughs> yeah. but, we, we're not mentioning the uh, the elephant in the room here. Uh, which one? The ominous beige nun. Oh yeah, old um, Mary Helena, whatever her name is. What on earth was that? So that was going on, and I was like, "She's a ghost. She's a ghost. She's a ghost." No, she's not a ghost. And then she was like the bastard son of a hundred maniacs, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, "She's a ghost." She's That's mental as well, isn't it? Yep. I really like the scene when they introduce her, though, when it's just like her at the end of that um, walkway and she's just standing yeah. there. I think that was quite cool. But yeah, I would, did you so what? Did did you like the character, or did you just think it was a bit odd having it in there? I do, I don't know. Or I think because um, well, I mean, the thing with this film, and I think the thing with Nightmare on Elm Street in general is that it's always resisted the categorization of the slasher film. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's supposed to be. It's you've, we've got our codes and conventions pretty nailed. Yep. And Nightmare on Elm Street just saw that. I went. Fuck you! <laughs> just Kincaid all over that. Yeah, just did a big Kincaid everywhere. And I said, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cross the slasher movie with like kind of like a supernatural possessiony kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And I think this third one, because Freddy's a lot stronger and he can do much more, it really brings that out. So you've got like almost like three stories going on at once. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. one of them is to do with this ominous ghost nun. Who just turns who, up? Who doesn't speak to Nancy? Why does she not speak to Nancy? She just speaks to uh, Doctor Neil Gordon, Craig Wazon, who immediately, when he saw Nancy, is like, "Right, I'm taking you out for a Thai restaurant, and I'm immediately going to woo you." Because yes, <laughs> it makes me wonder though. Like, did the instructions that she gave him on how to get rid of Freddie is she in on it? Because I can't. I know that there's there's a big thing with his mum. I don't know if it's like is is the next one Freddy's Dead? Isn't the one Freddy's uh, Dead? Where this he, Dream Warriors Dream. Uh, it's called Dream Something. I can't remember what it's called now. Freddy's Dead is the. Mm. Is that the last one? The sixth one? Because the next one's definitely got some yeah, sort of I dream thing on it. Freddy's Dead, I think, is the one where he does loads of stuff with his mum. Maybe I probably should have looked this up before I started coming on this podcast. Really. <laughs> so should I have actually but, to be honest but, uh, but I know yeah, that number that five I, has got dream something dream something no it yeah, just made me think one. like is, is, is she pulling his leg is she is she really doing this in their best interest because she looks haunted as fuck like <laughs> she's probably she had better days evil. yeah well she yeah she's definitely had well she's a ghost isn't she I suppose that goes and her son's saying. Freddy Krueger and she was raped by a hundred maniacs 
Yes, that's probably the worst part of him, actually, yeah. I, I thought that whole, like, you know, so the, the origin story of Freddy is, like, so Bane, isn't it? Like, he's in this... Didn't Bane, like, get locked in some sort of mental asylum and live there? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of... He's, he, him and Bane would get on, like, a house on fire. He'd be like, yeah, I'll, just, I'll grow up weird. Are you trying to say you've got sympathy for Freddy Krueger? No, not at all. <laughs> I just think that... I, <laughs> Obviously, he's, he's an attractive man underneath all those burns. We've already established well, course, that. Yeah. He's a pimp and a playboy on set. He, yeah, he is. He's given all the advice to the to the young whippersnappers. I like he's the bit the where he says, young men. "I like the bit where he says you're mine now, piggy." <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a quite a good impression, actually. Do you think? Yeah, we've we, we've ascertained on this show that I can't do deep male voices, but you can. But I can. Yeah. I, <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> You're mine now, piggy. <laughs> it's good. I can't even try, so I won't. Is, there, is this? Oh, okay, let me try. Let me try. Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> more anger, more anger. Welcome to prime. I can't because I'm trying not to. Imagine me smashing a kid's head for a TV. Method. <laughs> Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> See, so that's more like it. You've got it. Yeah. Nailed it. If they ever do 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 this remake, reboot, redo TV series, or whatever it is, I think we've got a voice actor. Can you not just try and do a manly voice? Thanks, mate. <laughs> Come on. Uh, well, right, what's the what's the line? Not the not. I can't do the prime time one. What's the other line? Piggy. Say you're mine now, piggy. <clears throat> you're <clears throat> you're mine now, piggy. <laughs> <laughs> it's depression. That's what it is. <laughs> Let's just stick to the fact that you've got a much more imposing voice, deeper voice than I have. Yes, well, I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's okay, don't worry about that. That's okay. <laughs> that's how I'm going to talk for the whole show. You sound like Yogi Hello. Bear. Hello, I believe you have a package for me. <laughs> My name is Mr Burns. Okay, Mr Burns, what's your first name? I don't know. <laughs> Simpsons reference, which has nothing to do with the film we're talking about. Um, Amanda Kruger. I, I I like that little subplot because um, for those who are kind of into all that stuff, it like I am for most things, it expands to mythology and the whole like the world building, and it gives a backstory without giving too much of a backstory. We knew Freddy was evil, but this is kind of cements him as being like almost like ultimate evil, kind of the fact that obviously what happened to her and what he's gone on to become. Uh, and the whole like burying bur- burying his remains on um, hallowed grounds. That entire scene I wasn't overly keen on, to be honest. But I didn't mind having Amanda Kruger's character in in the film. I thought I thought it worked, and again, like you say, it added another layer to the film. Yeah. It stopped it being just Dream Warrior One goes up against Freddy, killed. Now second one goes up against him, gets killed, and so on and so forth. Because um, when the Dream Warriors got going, yeah, like Will. The, the the wizard master shoots a bit of lightning and immediately gets brucked, immediately gets killed. Taryn, yeah. the um, she goes up against Freddy, he gets at the let, <coughs> let's get high type thing, which I really <laughs> like that <laughs> scene as well. Got, like, the needle fingers, yeah, right. Um, and then you see like the puncture holes in her arm opening, which I hate needles. I've got a ultimate phobia and fear of needles, so I hate that. And then she and then she die, gets stabbed by the needles and dies straight away even though she has a little flick knife. So when the Dream Warriors do actually go up against the Fredmeister, they get absolutely mullered 
in seconds. So I'm glad that they actually had this other kind of subplot of Neil Gordon, the odd doctor, try, like, trying to find out more about how to end Freddy. Because otherwise it could have been like prop, like, real repetitive and not good. So it, whilst it didn't all work for me, I thought, you know, that the inclusion of the nun kind of took the story somewhere and helped it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and like you say, the fact that they, you know, there isn't, um, that he, he doesn't beat around the bush, does he? There's none of this kind of, it's not like, because I, I do feel that in comparison to the first one, Night Round Elm Street the 3, the pace of it, it is quite, you know, it's bam, 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 bam. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's not like the first one where it's a bit more of a slow build and he plays with them a little bit more. Freddy's already got all of his power. Yeah. And he's just like, nope, I'm not fucking around now. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Dead mum, kill you. Bosh, <laughs> like, bosh, bosh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he, he kills John Saxon for good measure. Yeah. I like that bit where the skeleton just goes like, at the end, like, yay. Yes, I've got that in my note <laughs> underlined. Skeleton comes out of bag and starts wailing on the lads, celebrates and dies again. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> he literally sort of goes, and then just collapses into a bag of bones. And I was like, what the fuck have I just watched? Because he came in absolutely just like, like completely murked these blokes. He's so happy with his own work. He does a little jig and then dies. I love that bit, even though I hated it at the same time. Yeah, it's I don't know, it's, but it's just that's so Freddy. What celebrating his own work? Yeah, like just every everything about this movie is where Freddy Krueger just for me becomes the Freddy Krueger that we all know and love. Like you know, just that 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 lovable bloke who yeah. kills the kids but makes it kind of funny. He makes you kind of want to see these kids die. Apart from Nancy and Christian, because I like those. Um, yeah, yeah. I, there was quite there was quite a few in this, quite a few things in this film I did like. I like the whole kid, like the kids all being from Elm Street was a bit. Uh, some of the, I mean, I'll get into what I didn't like. We'll get into what we didn't like as well. But I liked, I liked the scene uh, at the end when Freddy uh, gets impaled and he licks the metal pole, and that he then yeah. teleports, which I thought was a bit odd. He teleports to become the skeleton to Merck, John Saxon and Dr. Neil. And then, yeah, the ending, like stabby stabby when he, be- when he appears as Nancy's dad, just because it's just because that's like so manipulatively cruel. And it really, that is like proper Freddy. That is like mm. the evil Freddy. We, we, we love the guy and his jumper. I used to have one of jumpers similar to that without the holes, not, <laughs> not trying to look like Freddy just did, but you know, that coming down as someone's dad using like his nemesis is, love for her father against her and that's in such a way was like bloody awesome but also being like proper evil so i really actually liked how this film ended that they just didn't pull any punches they bought they bought um nancy uh heather langerkamp back she did a she did a job throughout the film she wasn't just in it like most final girls are they turn up for 30 seconds in the beginning and then of the next film and then they die she's in she's in like prominently in this film and then she gets a good send-off Part of me wishes this was kind of like the last film, so the like the, the like you said the matriarch of the franchise, she has an arc and it isn't kind of wasted because Freddy just comes back again. So I kind of wish that that had been the last film, um, also because some of the ones after are a bit shit. I did like a new nightmare though. Um, what about you? Is there anything else other than the fun aspects and of course Dokken? Anything else you really enjoyed, like liked before we move on to what we thought was a bit pap? No, I think I think we've covered it really. I think yeah. I've got. More good on that front. Yeah, I think most of the things we liked, most of you guys who are listening 
if you like this film, like this will. The big moments in this film are wicked. Let's face it. Freddy is awesome. The kids, I like the kids. I think they're really good in this film. Um, and, and yeah, the soundtrack is boss. And what and, and like the, the kills Freddy does, all of them, they're inventive, they're a bit nasty, and they, and they do what a good horror film should do, and you remember them. You remember Needle Fingers, you remember Old Vane Puppet, you remember the Nancy at the end, and and obviously the Wizard Masters, because it's so absurd, but it <laughs> somehow manages to work. What didn't you like, Matt? One of the things, it's not what I didn't like, but one of the things I noticed which made me laugh was when when the group together, including Neil, the, uh, Dr. Neil, all went into the like, dream therapy session together, and they went into the dream world together. As soon as Neil saw Taryn, um, she she was like she called herself beautiful and bad, all dressed in leather. He completely foregoes like professional boundaries and restraints and gets a proper lob on. He literally looks and he's like, "Wow!" And I was like, "All right, <laughs> calm down, fella." And then, and then she shows her uh, ability, which is literally she can do a backflip. Same as Kristen. I was like, "Well, that's not really much of an ability." Whereas at least King Cade was strong. Uh, some yeah. of the dialogue was a bit ass. Again, you don't tune into this for Oscar-winning dialogue, though we later know that Frank, Frank Darabont went on to do some pretty Oscar, Oscar-worthy Oscar films. Like some, like one of the things um, Nancy screams to a medical professional is, they'll be defences against their dreams. You think what a stupid thing to yeah, probably say. Yeah. Um, do you know what's not really a matter, other than like silly little things like that? The, the scrapyard scene, I wasn't particularly bothered by that. I didn't really like that. When they had to, I like I like the fact that they had to bury his bones on hallowed ground, but like the whole scrapyard scene, and then the and then the uh, skeleton comes in and just does like a merry jig and sods off again. Wasn't bothered by that particularly, but there wasn't really much I didn't like. I like the fact that when Neil takes the holy water and the crucifix, he exchanges it for a Jarvis license and just gets on yeah. his merry way. But do you know what? You'll be you may think of some things which I haven't. Or or trigger trigger me to remember, but it's not an awful lot which I really didn't actually like. I mean, I think um, yeah, like you said, the whole the whole scrapyard scene and the bit where he goes into the church and he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like yeah. that, that whole bit was. I need bit. this. I need this. Here's my driver's license. Hmm. Uh, I'm probably gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think <laughs> the bit right at the beginning where he meets he meets Nancy right, and she right. drops her, her bottle of prescription stuff on the floor and then oh, he just picks it up yeah and he's like and just reads her prescription bottle but yeah. then right so she she says to him oh yeah i've had like i've had some issues you know just with bad dreams and everything and he goes yeah okay and then later on he looks up hypnosil and he's like oh my god and it's like she's been quite open about the tell you that, that yeah yeah she's told you this i didn't really like the doctor guy at all well, i'd have traded his death for nancy's so yeah, I would have. I yeah. I was ambivalent. I didn't mind his character, but I like the fact that yeah, just when he started, he's like, I don't need no young hotshots coming and telling me what to do. And as soon as he sees me, he's like, Well, okay, we could go out for dinner though, and then you can tell me what to do. It was like a proper like, yeah. character turn immediately. I was like, Okay, you're a slime bag. And then at the and then when he goes to um, speak to Nancy's dad, I really wish <laughs> Nancy's dad had headbutted him when he when he started being like the big man to him. In my in my head, the scene actually played out like that where he picked um, John Saxon up, pushed him, and then I seem to remember John Saxon like, laying one on him. Obviously, that didn't happen, but I thought it did. But um, I, 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 I didn't mind him the further on into the film he got, uh, the Doctor, knocked to Neil. I thought he was all right, but as a character, he was just like, meh. You know what I mean, he could have traded him for any character. He wasn't that memorable. 
yeah, I wanted John Saxon to go back to his Enter the Dragon days and just <laughs> fucking destroy him. But um, no, I, th- I think it's funny though because I think t- obviously traditionally in Doctor Neil's character role, it's a woman who's just there to just drive the narrative forward. Yeah, but, you know, and I I liked the fact that it switched it around. So this Doctor guy was just all he cared about was going out to dinner with Nancy. It just seemed a bit like because a bit halfway through the film, I turned to my boyfriend. And I was like, "So are they together now? Like, when when yeah. did that happen? Like, they're just it's just then. Oh yeah, well they're in the same field and they've both got a secret. So they're you know they're just gonna. Fuck so then other. later on, they're sharing yeah. wine together in a room somewhere, like some one of their houses. Probably a hotel room, a dirty bastard. Motel. Oh, holiday inn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hotel o love. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of ended up together. I wasn't sure they were together, but it kind of seemed like they were, and that was very abrupt. Then he f- do anything for her, and then he's like, "I don't." You may want Nancy to die, he says to John Saxon, but I don't. And he's kind of like, "I get that; it's very noble, but you only you have literally only known her for about three days." Yeah, he's that. Kind of like, you know, and then he's flipping tables over and having a go at people's dads. He's like the kind of guy so who go out on a first date and then text them saying, "I love you." No, you don't do that too soon, mate. Calm down. <laughs> Avoid Doctor Neil. Yeah, he's a right Doctor Neil. He was. Ooh. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind the character of him, but he was just, you know, could have gone here or there. But yeah, you know, I would have traded Nancy for him. Yeah, I mean, other than Doctor Neil, there wasn't really anything that I didn't like about this movie. Even though the ending was very abrupt, I was like, that's cool. I know there's more to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and all, all these films certainly up, certainly this one. So the first Nightmare on Elm Street made best part of twenty odd million dollars, uh, which completely dumbfounded New Line Cinema, who didn't have any real faith in it apart from John Shea. The second film out out there did that prove where's Craven wrong. The third film made about thirty odd million. This film made forty four point eight million. So each film was getting progressively more uh, money made. I don't, I think they were slightly went a bit further downhill. After this, I think the full film may have made more money and then it dipped off a little bit. Um, yeah. So there was a so people would were loving this. So as for New Line, yeah, this film ended abruptly, and I wonder how many people left the cinema thinking, yeah, where even though Freddy has just been seen to turn into you know a human lamp and then die, we're, 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 they're going to be coming back <laughs> surely. So I guess um, that's a good point. But I like the abrupt ending and all the kids being the Elm Street kids. I suppose they needed a reason to be there together. I'm assuming Western Hills, I think it's called where they were, was near Elm Street. Yeah, and I, I Elm, Elm Street was probably quite a big street. Nancy's house one forty eight. Yeah, so I suppose that's a di- like I I knew everyone on down my street, you know, but I guess American streets are bigger. Yeah, I should have recognised you, and I should recognise you from your parents as well. No, mate, we live a thousand blocks down. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, Joey's powers screaming? His voice uh, breaks all the mirrors, and then that's when you think, ah, Freddy's died. Yeah, that bit cracked me up because he like he, they all like jumped out the mirrors again, and then they're like, he's gone, you've killed him. And I was actually sat there going, no, this. I'm yeah. sure it doesn't end like this. And then John <laughs> Saxon comes floating down. John, yeah, John, John does his angel impression, like, and then we get that. Then we get the sad part of the film. Just after that, when Nancy. Um, gets gutted like a fish. Neil, at the same time from currently, is splashing holy water into a 
opens like a shallow grave with Freddie's bones in it, and he says, "Please God for the children." Yeah, you can probably guess which line I thought of next. Won't someone think of the children? Somebody please think of the children. <laughs> yeah, I got here's a note. Yeah, for, um, even like for, even like, for the way Freddie died as well was a bit like he, sp- yeah. he spins around, light beams out, and then he disappears. It's like, uh, but again, how 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 do you envisage Freddie Krueger dying? I don't know. I think they've they've already um, they. I think everyone already knew by this point that there was going to be more. That there was no point in hyping up his death. No, yeah. it's all about hyping up his return, isn't it? Yeah, Freddie's return. Everyone was there for Freddie versus Jason. Thirteen odd years later. Oh, I, lo- I loved Freddie versus Jason. It was good fun, wasn't it? And that was one of the highest grossing films in the entire franchise. Was it really? It was, yeah. Jesus. What about Nancy managing to get back on site after that? Neil, Neil and Nancy had been fired, and then she just walks in, has a quick chat of Larry Fishburne, and is immediately allowed back in to see the kids one last time. Yeah, that that is, and then she's allowed to sneak them out. Yeah. So, like, who who's culpable for all those children's deaths? I'm assuming Doctor Neil's been. He's just Neil now. It was yeah. He's here. Yeah, Doctor Neil's just Neil. He's just Gordon. Neil Gordon. So he he was he had sole responsibility pretty much because he was the one who was. They were in his care, even though the um, the older female doctor seemed to be his. Was she? I don't know. I think she was his superior, or certainly his peer, anyway. But it all seemed to fall on Neil, um, and Larry Fishburne's character, Max Daniels. He was the help. Yeah. So whilst he was there to help out, it wasn't ultimately his fault, though. It would have been on if it is on his watch, then he would have been also culpable for it. Yeah. So the fact that it all snuck out would have been on his shoulders. Poor old Neil, eh? Yeah, poor old last, that's when he became Lawrence Fishburne after that. He, he wasn't up. <laughs> Changed his name. <laughs> yeah. He was me. He's that, like, that, actually... that was Larry Fishburne. I had nothing to do <laughs> with me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who this Larry Fishburne guy you're talking about is. That's when he beefed up and became Morpheus. I'm Morpheus. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which pill are you going to take? The red pill? Yeah, <laughs> or, the, or, the, or the one that puts you in sedation? <laughs> Should have offered Freddie that. Yeah, I can't really think of much else. I'm going through my notes and I was like, no. Other than, yeah, the Dream Warriors, whilst cool and fun, did sod all, basically. Uh, the fact that they're called the Dream Warriors is a stretch. I thought Patricia Arquette was offensively good looking and I liked watching her. Is that a bad thing? No. <laughs> no. But that's, and that's really, about, that's really about it. Obviously, some of the effects, but. But I don't. I don't think it's wrong to call out the effects from a certain time because I mean you've said it yourself and we said it as well on other shows that even nowadays in twenty twenty films we will be looking at some effects thinking Jesus Christ. So it's not even of their time. It's just how they utilise the tools available to them. And in twenty twenty, there are still studios and VFX companies who, whether it's budgetary reasons or something else, still can't nail certain things. So it isn't. I don't think it's. I don't think we should feel wrong or agreed for calling out the effects. No, and I think that he he was just trying to please sort of like more mainstream horror appetites by this point. Mm-hmm. He'd already he'd made his money, he'd done his bit, and I think he was just widening the net. So if you look at like yeah. like I've said before, like Pol- I always mention Poltergeist Two, Poltergeist Two, all that kind of shit, Fright Night. It's just eighties SFX. It's it's liquid latex. It's animatronics. Yeah. It's overlay. And I love it. I bloody love it. Just dripping in like 80s goodness. Mm-hmm. All right, two more things in. The first one was we hadn't even mentioned it because 
it it was to me it's kind of a forgettable part of the subplot of the film. But um, Joey, the Mister Mullet, who fancies a nurse, also oh, is seduced yeah. by the quote unquote nurse, and then gets tongue tied to the bed. Firstly, what about what about all that? The fact they had to, it's, it's the eighties, so they had to get their naked woman in the film, and then he's tongue tied for the whole film. And for the most part, they forget all all about him until the end when they find him in the basement. They're like, "Oh fuck, shit, we forgot about you." <laughs> and then yeah, he's still there. So so Joey, before he finds his voice, what did you think about that kind of like odd subplot? And the last bit was um, kind of actually going on from what you've just said about how audiences knew there'd be another Freddy film. Right at the end, actually, they've got the Neil's got Nancy's Malaysian dream uh, thing doll next to his bed. So he's obviously gone back to her apartment and nicked it and probably worse. And he's got a diorama <laughs> of the Elm Street house and the little light turns on. Yes. Okay. So uh, I've already forgotten what the, oh, the, the tongue tied bit. Again, yeah, the Joey. I, think, I think that's just, I really like that bit. And again, I think it's Freddie playing around with this idea that he kind of he he's wrapped up in their sexuality at this point you know they're, they're mm-hmm. teenagers but that's where that's where it it falls to the left of, of the slasher convention it's not about amorous teens getting punished for having sex and you know oh, going off and taking drugs and doing this and doing that like these kids they don't want the drugs. Like they're, they're going mental about none of them are having sex with each other. The the Joey Joey wanted that nurse. Yeah, Joey Joey maybe wanted the nurse, but I mean, like, is it not disturbing that the closest to any of them come to having sex with anyone is Fred Krueger? Oh yeah, but just, that's obviously I, what he wants. Yeah, I mean, but I I just think that the whole thing he's is he is he a nonce or is he just a murderer? It depends, really, because it's a problem is when you've got different visions in different films for how. Freddy or a boogeyman should be. It all gets convoluted. So, I uh, I know the new film. Sorry, the reboot, twenty ten. He was a know. flaming Victor Salva. Yeah. But in these films, <laughs> I don't know. I think he was. And again, losing points here for a horror podcast. But I think he was um, oh, a child molester. But they don't. They don't say it in the third one. They just call him a child murderer. But yes, sure they don't say in, in this in one. In the first one, I'm sure they did say that he molested and murdered. Molested That's what I think. See, better accent. <laughs> better impression. I can't, We've heard my Arnold on the last show, or the one before last, and I think we lost some listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in the first film, they did mention that. But uh, Yeah, I, I, I like that scene. Um, I like that scene just because um, I think it's very disturbing. And the ending with the uh, the uh, light turning on the little dream uh, Elm Street house because there was an alternative ending which kind of wrapped things up in a different way but used the same kind of shot. So what okay. did you think about that? Was it was it just kind of like that was obvious that we're gonna it, something like that was gonna signal another film? Yeah, I mean it, it, it smacks of Fright Night again. It it yeah. you know, that kind of like all is not quite well but I mean that's Wes Craven throughout the series and throughout his other films has got that sort of utopian false ending you know the first one where everyone's driving off and the mum's like yeah see you later love you and then she just gets dragged through the window like it seems to be and I'm sure the second uh, the second one had an ending like that where you think it's okay and then it's not you know and I think they'd killed Nancy they couldn't do too much more so it's just Mm -hmm. uh He's this his own fault for keeping that creepy as fuck house anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, burn the damn thing. 
Well, well, oh, indeed. What, what a lovely instalment. Where'd you get it from? Oh, an insomniac psych patient made it for me. You'd be like, <laughs> she saw, she saw a child murder in her dreams, and apparently this is where he lived. Yeah, and this is a dead girl's house. Like, and these are her pants I took from her drawer. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the wank stain I left on her pillow. We won't talk about that because I'm death by pod, isn't it? <laughs> That was Larry Fishburne that did that. That wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. It's what you get. This is the kind of entertainment you get on this show. Very, very highbrow. Yeah, very, oh. very funny as well. In the original draft, Kristen, Kristen had that house in her bedroom and it was said that she didn't get nightmares anymore because um, Nancy, who also died in Wes Craven's version, similar way, he she was protecting her dreams and it was her turn of that light on so that light coming on was kind of her signaling that she's there she's there doing the night shift basically um, <laughs> okay so out of that ending what do you reckon because where's craven either way he bought nancy into the franchise and it, he was going to kill her off even if he had directed this film so would you have preferred it if they if they'd wrapped it up like that and actually had nancy being like the gatekeeper no i think it's good that nancy's actually allowed to sleep now I Never sleep again. Such, such. She's going to dream her into such a lovely dream. I'll be dreaming her into a beautiful dream. Yes, right. And I guess the beautiful dream was her stuck in that house forever. Yeah, I don't think the, <laughs> the house of all your trauma. <laughs> Nighty night. Um, <laughs> so, well, Max, what we're saying basically is not a perfect film, but a bloody good fun film. De- very decent film, very good film as well, and not an awful lot which we thought wasn't that great. Yeah. That sums it up. It's it, it's not it's not perfect to everyone else, but it's perfect to me. Oh, that's quite sweet. Um, yeah. So no point doing recommendations because we obviously both recommend it. So in the twelve, uh, in terms of the other films we've we've uh, spoken about, you know, where does it sit up the top, middle, bottom way? Uh, middle. It would be below Fright Night. Ooh. Fright Night would come before this. Jerry the Bat and all that. For me. Okay. Um, yeah, mine would be sort of lower top end. I think so. It'd be top end just because of how much I dig this film, and I, and it's got a proper rewatchability for me as well. It's really like morbidly fun to watch. So um, there are other films which I just prefer, but not many from the twelve that we've done so far. So uh, we give it a recommendation. We give it a thumbs up, and as we always do, we asked uh, you guys, the listeners, wonderful listeners, thanks for your ears via the socials. We asked you like, what did you think of a Nightmare on Elm Street three? Uh, and in a poll, 86.4% of you liked the movie, and only 13.6% didn't. So that's pretty yeah, one-sided. Bloody hell, yeah, that's that's a lot. McNamara Jedi said that Dream Warriors is awesome, with big capital letters. Always love going back to check this out. Uh, Welcome to prime time, bitch, Nick Henderson said. How do you not love this movie? With the, And he put the primetime scene gif in which we loved. And the MacGuffins podcast said, I love it, which was short but effective. It's a job done, isn't it? Nick Hendrickson, yeah. you're a top bloke. Horror, bloody horror, said, it's the most 80s of all the nightmare movies. It is. And he and also said, what other horror franchise has a Dokken theme song? That's right. Just this one, baby. <laughs> and um, Camp Counselor Greg said, greatest horror movie ever with the old uh, plasticine stop motion Freddy gif. Best Worst movie ever. So yeah, it is the most <laughs> 80s one. And what other films got docking? None. You're damn right, horror, bloody horror. Yeah. Love a bit of docking. 
Uh, Ant Shot First said, great, the best series in my opinion. And Jocasta Who said, the last good one before the decline of the series. A New Nightmare was pretty cool, though. That's a pretty. That's that's exactly what we've both said, isn't it? Yeah. Great mind. Last one, Jocasta Who. Ant Shot First is a very hunky northerner, so thank you for sending that, mate. The best in the series, I reckon, is up there with the first one. What about you, Bloggy? I, I don't think I can comment on that because I can't remember the rest of the series, but from what I've seen of it and I remember, yes. Interesting, interesting. Right, I think we should go back and do a rewatch of all of them one day and just cover yeah, every should. film in the series. God, that's going to be a long week, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, we're just going to, we're going to watch them live as well. So we're going to watch every film for like, about, what, 16-hour marathon. No weeing, no drinking, no pooing, just watching the films. I can't do that. Gonna have to. Listeners want it. (laughs) If if I don't do, I'll get chest pains. Listeners want it. (laughs) (laughs) If people, if if people want to know, listeners want it, love. It's provocative. It gets the people going. Gets the people going. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of what gets people going, I know this gets bloggy Balboa going. Docken. We're Death by Pod game, you know we it, you love it. it. Every, every week we play it, don't we? And this was Bloggy's idea, and it's an absolute doozy. Bloggy, what is it? It's docking or bust. Yes. So we've each got to provide three separate lines of lyrics, and the other one has to guess whether it's a docking lyric or if we've just made it up. Ooh. Also known as dock and roll. Right, <laughs> this was a wicked idea, and I had a lot of fun doing this. The stipulation was we we both picked one album of Dokken for to pick the songs lyrics from, if we have indeed picked any, and the other person couldn't check that. So there's no way that unless we've cheated, which I know I haven't, and I know Bloggy hasn't. There's no way we've picked the same songs either. So Bloggy, do you want to go first? Then I will. I will go first. But I'll use my deep voice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll use my fairy voice. <laughs> Alright, I'm not going to sing the lyrics because I don't know the tune. I might give it away if you do. You took my passion, most of my soul, but I will come back, baby, stronger than before. Ooh, docking or bust. Can you repeat the lyric just for a laugh, please? You took my passion, most of my soul, but I will come back, baby, stronger than before. I reckon it is a docking lyric. You reckon it is a docking lyric? Yeah, they say he says baby, so I reckon it is. You sure? Final answer, docking. Sound the klaxon. Yes! <laughs> yes, what song was that? It's Heaven Sent. This is what Heaven Sent sounds like. To my passion. Well, right, it's one nil. Come on, Bloggy. This is up. This is up to you now. Are you ready for your first docking or bust? I'm ready. I'm ready. Right. <clears throat> In love, we look into the night. We sit upon our stars because we are the light. Mm. I don't think that is a docking lyric. That sounds a bit like too wonderful. You going for bust? Or are you going, going for, for docking? Bust. You're going for bust. Sound of Claxon! It's the first one you got right in about three or four weeks. It's brilliant. I know, I know. It's my first Claxon in a long time. I can literally feel your shoulders going, oh. 
You're right. It wasn't a Dokken lyric. It was one I made up. Are you ready for another one? I'm always ready for some Dokken. Bloggy and Dokken. Okay. You cut through me deep in my soul. Baby, you have the claws of a panther. <laughs> um, baby, you've got the claws of a panther. I'd love to think you haven't made that up. But I reckon you've made it up. I'm going bust. It's a bust. Is it? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bloggy original. <laughs> you got the claws of a pepper. I was like, I just need to try and sound, make it sound as 80s hair metal as possible. <laughs> Can you sing of that? Uh, no. <laughs> that's worth an ask. Right, just three clackens in a row. You ready for your go now? Yes. Right, here we go. It's our love that's never going to change because every time I touch you, you just make me go insane. Oh, that's Dokken. That's Dokken Roll, baby. It is. Yes! <laughs> yeah, you make me go insane. Yeah, I, I realised when I wrote that, I was like, ooh, that's going to sound odd me saying that, but <laughs> fuck it, it's what it is. So 2-2, two, two. this is getting a quite... We've never had a game this close where we've actually got answers right. Usually it's where we've got none right, and it's whoever gets the first one wins. <laughs> okay, it's the decider now. Oh, right, I've had a cup of tea. I'm ready. Right. Baby, I'm a prisoner, chained by love. It's so easy to see, I can never be free. They're so cheesy, aren't they? Even if they are or not, they're so shit. So they haven't got the claws of a panther, but this time he's a prisoner. Every one of them's got the word baby in it as well. I like what you've done That's why there. I put baby and soul in mine, because yeah. that seems to be all they talk about. <laughs> um, Dokken. Sure. I'm going to die on my sword, yep. It is Dokken! Yes! Scratch Right, this, is, this could be a white no, 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 that, that song was Prisoner by Prisoner. Dokken. And this is how it sounds. Right. Oh, I'm well chuffed. I've actually, I can tell NAF lyrics apart. Right, are you ready for your final Dokken? one? Yeah, they, the thing is, your pamphlet one sounded like Dokken as well. But I just had to, I had to gamble. I was nearly in Dokken, but they, my lyrics were too good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as I saw the panther, they're like, whoa, this is too deep oh, for us. Wow. All right, I'm ready. Here we go. This is, this is win. This is literally Dokken or bus for you now. Hit me with your dock shot. <laughs> Hit me with your dock. Right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't hit me with that. <laughs> yeah, you said it. Well, right. I was thinking like, hit me with your best shot. Yeah, you didn't say nothing, did you? <laughs> okay, fine. Carry on. <laughs> Here we go. Final one. Bloggy. Right. When the shadows come, there might be no moon at all. You can never tell when you're under the spell. The night is all that we need. Once more. Say it once more. When the shadows come, might be no moon at all. You can never tell when you're under the spell. The night is all that we need. 
No, I think that's first. Is that your final answer? Yeah. It's a docking lyric. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> it's from Night by Night. And this is what it sounds like. Night by night by Docker. Uh, it was the bit. It was the bit where you said about like shadows are going to come or something, and I was like, "That's not Docker." When Where the shadows you? come, might be no moon at all. You can never tell when you're <laughs> under the spell. The night is all that we need. Oh man! Wow! What a great game! Good, good, good that game was that was. Brilliant! I, I commend your your uh, talent talent for coming up with shit lyrics as well. <laughs> Well, three two. three two. I've got the game next week. I already know what it's going to be, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But that was a sweet game that tied into our Nightmare on Elm Street Three Dream Warriors episode. So that is unfortunately it for this episode of Death by Pod. One last time, bloggy Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's just do it. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Every single thumb on my body is up. And my claws, fingers as well. Yeah, thumbs up for me as well. But like I say, that is that for this episode of Death. By Pod. Next week, we're talking about Cherry Falls. But until then, where can the world find you online? You can find me at Bloggy Balboa on Twitter and WordPress. And you can find me what I watch tonight.co.uk, same handle across Instagram and Twitter. Find me on there. More importantly, you can find the show at Death by Pod on Twitter and Instagram. The polls. Go up there. We ask for your comments about films. They go up on there. Funny memes might go up on there as well. Uh, so, yeah, follow us on there. Chat with us on there. And you might just hear your name on the show. But, again, thank you so much for coming on again, Bloggy. Thank you all for listening. Until next time from me, it's see ya. And from Bloggenald. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.